Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot. Okay, so um, once again, I wanted to um, share with you or explore with you a, a bit about uh, some of these um, different wholesome states that support this awakening joy. Um, and we uh, might not um, use all the time here if we, uh, you know, hopefully we... Yeah, we won't be adding anything that uh, that um, that is superfluous, um, and uh, we can have some. You can have some walking uh, after we're finished. Yeah, you pressed it. Um, and I, uh, the intention is to both support your practice. I don't want to interrupt your practice, and hopefully, this will be a support for your practice. Um, and share with you some some other aspects of um, of seeing the practice and the path as a path of of real happiness. I wanted to particularly explore two more of these wholesome states, both here on the retreat and in in your life that you could take with you. Uh, so far. I don't know if we'll get to all ten, but I wanted to um, cover as much as I, I could. We've talked about intention and mindfulness and gratitude and working with the uh, difficult stuff. Um, the, and those are the first four in the sequence of ten that, um, that I find helpful. Um, the fifth is um, is something that we did at the very beginning of the retreat when, when Howie uh, had us uh, look at the uh, precepts, the guidelines for uh, creating this community. Um, remember those five precepts? Not killing, not stealing, not causing harm through sexuality, uh, not causing harm through speech, or hear the noble silence, and uh, not causing harm through intoxicants, uh, substance abuse. Uh, and really, um, those five and the whole spirit behind them is uh, the power of living in alignment with wholesome values, not causing harm to others or yourself. Um, and what I call integrity, living with integrity, um, 
what the Buddha called, uh, one name he had for it, the bliss of blamelessness. And he said in the Eightfold Path that this is a foundation for inner peace. There's three components of the Eightfold Path, the Eight Links, that have to do with our relating in the world. Wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood. And he said that underlying foundation of not causing harm, of keeping the precepts, what's called sila in, uh, in Pali, if you are not aligned with your values, it's really hard to have inner freedom and inner peace because there's something off that disturbs us. Um, and he called it the bliss of blamelessness. I, I love that line. It's the, the name of the chapter that I wrote in the book. Uh, he has this one teaching in, in one discourse. He says, uh, there's a number of different kinds of happinesses that most anybody can experience, whether or not you're a, a meditator or, uh, or a Buddhist. Or, uh, he didn't talk about being a Buddhist, uh, whether you're, the ist came afterwards. Um, but whether or not you are um, uh, a practitioner, he said, there's the happiness that comes from being free of debt. Very practical. Um, there's the happiness that comes from uh, having enough prosperity that you can take care of yourself and your loved ones well. There's another kind of happiness that comes when you're so, you have such good fortune that you can be uh, not only generous with those close to you, but you can be generous with with those even beyond your close circle that you can uh, give and, um, and uh, support others uh, in their needs or be generous with your resources. And then he said there's this fourth kind of happiness which he called the bliss of blamelessness where you are aligned with your values and you're not disturbed in your mind or your heart. And then he says in this discourse, it's really an interesting line, he says, compared with the first three of those, the bliss of blamelessness, oh, the, no, compare, compared with the bliss of blamelessness, those first three are not one-sixteenth as potent a source of well-being. I don't know how he figured that out, <laughs> but that's what... It, it says. So you don't have to be rich or, um, or even free of debt to have a deeper kind of happiness which is really walking your talk, not causing harm to others and not causing harm to yourself. And uh, here's a, a good connection between this and joy. He says, for one who leads a virtuous life, it is a natural law that remorse will not arise. 
for one free of remorse, it is a natural law that gladness will arise. For one who is glad at heart, it is a natural law that joy will arise. He goes on actually to say for one who has joy, it's a natural law for contentment and peace and all the way up to awakening. But that makes sense, doesn't it? If you don't have anything to hide or that you you feel guilty about, oh, there's a kind of openness, gladness of heart. And so when you happen to be acting in alignment with your values, besides, you know, we can just say, oh, well, that's just what I do. You know, there you are at a choice point where you could click the send button on the email. They deserve it. Or just reflect and see what is going to be the consequence of this. How will this feel to me or to others? And maybe there's another way I can put it or communicate. And I'm all in favor of communicating things that need to be communicated. Um, The Buddha said to try to say things that are, he said, speak truthfully, say what's useful, and say it with a kind heart. So when you use the, uh, when you go the, take the high road, as Michelle Obama would say, um, feel good about it. Not, oh, aren't I a wonderful person, but, oh, it feels really good to do things skillfully, to go the skillful route. And just to underscore this, Um, there's uh, another uh, teaching that I have found really helpful for myself around this choice. And this is how we are sowing the seeds for our own suffering or our happiness in every moment. And this is how he explains it. He says uh, there are I'll talk about four ways. Actually, there's five ways, but I'll just stay with four. Four ways that each uh, each moment, each action, you're planting either the seeds of suffering or or happiness. In the moment, the the um, energy that comes back to you, the um, it. The likely, the reflection afterwards. I'll take you through this. So this is more than just words, but I'm just kind of giving you the broad brushstroke, and in the habit that you create. And I'll we'll take you through two uh, different scenarios. Just for a moment, uh, close your eyes and um, perhaps think of something that you've done in your past that um, you might have some regret or remorse. Maybe it's come up in these last few days. Uh, Or just, you did click the send button or were less than skillful 
in your speech or your actions. And as you um, recall the whole situation and the experience, first try to remember how it felt in the moment that you were doing that action or perhaps just the moment afterwards how it felt in your state of mind. Maybe you felt really justified, but how did it feel in your heart or in your mind as you were doing something that you knew might be, that you knew might be um, less than skillful? That's in the moment what was the energy that came back to you? Whoever was on the receiving end, did they say, oh, thank you for your feedback? Or uh, How did that feel? As you recall it right now, how does it feel? And the likelihood of you doing that unskillfully again was a little, is a little bit more because you practiced it. Unless you learn, uh, there's that habit of responding in a certain way. And so you're planting the seed for that habit continuing. So that's four ways that an unskillful action um, has negative consequences in the moment or right after, the energy that comes back, as you recall, and the habit that you practice. Okay, so that's the unpleasant news. There's, a good, there's good news to this too. Now take a nice breath. I'm not going to leave you here. If you if you got stirred up, you, if you want, you can put your hand on your heart. A little self-compassion. Oh, and now here's the good news. I'd like you to think of a of a time where you acted really skillfully. Maybe you were there for a friend, or you did take the high road, or somehow. Uh, goodness came out of you spontaneously. You probably can think of many times where just that caring or that kindness or that uh, interest and love just came genuinely through you. And think of one situation. And as you recall it, Remember how it felt in the moment where that, that beautiful expression came right through you. Probably felt pretty good. How did it feel? What was the energy that came back to you? Probably also pleasant, appreciative, connecting. 
as you think about it right now and recall it, how does it feel? Remembering a good deed, good action. Probably pretty good. Oh yeah, sometimes I do some nice things. And how does it, uh, the likelihood of that occurring again is greater because you practiced it and it felt good and so you were practicing that habit. So there's four ways that a skillful action has planted wholesome seeds in the moment, the energy that comes back to you, the, in the recollection, and in the practicing of that habit. That's pretty neat. That's pretty good, isn't it? And when I think about that, there I am at this juncture, should I or shouldn't I? When I remember, um, I want to be planting wholesome seeds. And it's kind of interesting how on the front end of things, it feels so right or justified. Yeah, this is going to feel right. Or, oh, this will feel so good. And then afterwards, you ever have that experience? Afterwards, you, you say to yourself, what was I thinking? And there's a whole lot more cleaning up to do afterwards or regret or remorse. Um, and we often don't think about how this will look in retrospect. So this is the, uh, something to keep in mind. Whenever you have that choice, go for it. Now, unfortunately, we, very few of us are saints. And so we are continually learning about this. And so the other piece is um, that it's never too late to learn. And I wanted to spend just a little time on um, on, on seeing about this learning part. And the talk tonight, Jane will explore this uh, a little bit more. Um, you know, you look back on your life, and this is very common on retreat, where you start remembering things you've done in the past. How many people have had the experience where you remember things that you've done in the past here these last few days? And you've remembered things that you've done in the past that maybe you regret. Anybody? Yeah. It's very, very natural. And that's the, the consequence. It kind of it, it reverberates in you. It's never too late. So this is also the good news. And particularly if you look back and you go, ooh, you know, the first time I did a loving kindness retreat, oh, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, I thought of all the awful things that I'd done in my life, just one after another. I, I write about this in the book, and I said, oh, I just, oh, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> and finally, at one point, I said, okay, I'm going to list the top 20 really awful things I've done. 
I was so fortunate I picked that number because I only came up with 17. <laughs> really bad. Oh, there's, there's a bottom to this pit. Yeah. But to process and relive and understand and grow, uh, this is part of the deal too. Not to beat yourself up. And in fact, the Buddha has this... Um, this discourse where he's talking to his son and he says, and his son was, it was young at the time, seven or eight or, or so. And uh, he said, you know, you, you might have an impulse to say or do something that's unskillful or you're not sure if it's skillful or unskillful. He says, if you can, just as I'm saying to you, reflect, where is this leading? And if it's leading to unskillful and you don't want to go there, then don't do it. If it's skillful, then do it. But then he goes on to say, you might not catch yourself and you might be in the middle of the words, the actions, and if you can, just stop yourself and say, where is this leading to? Do I want to keep on going here or choose not to? He says, if you can catch it, go for happiness. But then he goes on in this teaching to say to his son, um, you might not remember or realize until after the words are spoken or the deed has been done. He doesn't say, now go ahead and beat yourself up and feel really guilty. No. That just perpetuates the suffering. He does say, if you can reflect back and see what you've, how, what you've said or done, what you can learn from it, and f you can feel the pain, but instead of guilt, he talked about wise remorse, where you learn and see, oh, that doesn't feel good. I want to do it a different way in the future then nothing is wasted, as one of my inspirations, Julia Butterfly Hill says, as long as you're learning, there are no mistakes. And so, and if you can make amends or speak to somebody who you really respect so you're not carrying it inside in your heart, and then commit to doing it a more skillful way if that situation arises in the future. And if you look back now, you know, those, those memories that come back to you from the, on this retreat, like it did for me on that loving-kindness retreat, and you cringe, and you're saying, oh gosh, I can't believe I did that or said that. Cringing is actually a good sign because it's really saying, I'm a different person now than I was then. I, I can't believe I did that. I couldn't do that now. So not to beat yourself up for having done it. You were, you were doing, given your own understanding, the best you could. And you're learning now and you're facing in the right direction. So I, I thought that... Um, uh, I'd like to um, just
just take you through a little bit of an exercise, and if you have something to um, uh, to write with, just for your own reflection. Uh, first, a little bit of a I want to guide you through uh, through this your own exploration of this. And the idea is is really to see and to understand why people do what they do. People do what they do out of confusion. Either the circumstances or their conditioning, their upbringing, or their um, uh, temperament or their habits that they've created. And if you can understand why you do what you do or why another would do what they they would do, um, then there's a chance to open the heart. So particularly around this um, with yourself. And uh, I'd like you to um, go inside again. And uh, maybe the, the incident that I just asked you to pick, or if another one comes up, you can use that. Just think of a time when you acted unskillfully. And you might, once again, close your eyes and you know, you can use the one that just came to mind. That, that's fine. And uh, I'd like you to just remember what it felt like in your body and in your mind immediately after the words were spoken or the deed was done. And as you reflect on the whole situation, just think about what contributed to your choosing to act in a way that you soon regretted. What were, what were the contributing factors that made you go that route? And you might, you can just uh, uh, just write that down. You don't have to do the answer. I'll give you a few moments to answer. But just um, how it felt and why um, and, and what contributed to you choosing to act that way. And then complete this sentence. I'm most likely to speak or act unskillfully when, and you can complete whatever, there might be a number of contributing factors just to get a sense of what goes into you um, acting in ways that, uh, that later you, you wish you hadn't. And then lastly, what thought would help you remember to choose wisely in a similar situation? That is, if you could remember, if there was a little bird on your shoulder saying, hey, remember, um, 
So you can just take a few minutes to uh, answer this, this piece and then we'll go on to the second piece. Bring a spirit of kindness to your, to this exercise. We'll just take another minute or so right now and you can uh, finish later on if you like. How many people need more time? Okay. Okay, so, and the rest can, you can finish um, a bit later. So here's the good, the good news. Let's st stay with the good news. Now think of that maybe uh, a, a time, either one that you just came up with before or uh, a time where um, you, um, it was a challenging situation and you somehow chose to act wisely and you did take the high road. And first, how did it feel in your mind, in your body? And what helped you choose that route? What factors supported you going that direction. What, what's that? Um, how did it feel inside in, in your mind? If you, 
if you ch- when you cho- chose a wise action, you had a choice, and you just took the high road, you know, or you were really there in a skillful way when it could have gone the other way. So, yeah, what helps you decide to act skillfully? And uh, how do you know when you're acting with integrity or when you're not? Any cues that let you know when you're aligned or when you're not? And you might think of what supports you choosing to respond with integrity in, in difficult situations. Again, take a few moments to... What's that? Uh, what supports you choosing to respond wisely? Okay. Need more time? Okay, so let's just uh, um, check in a, a few comments. First, um, what uh, what's happening? What factors contribute to acting unskillfully? Let's just hear a few, and uh, how we can come around with the with the mic. I find that when I'm caught up in the momentum of something and you know I have a lot of energy, the people around me have a lot of energy, um, 
then I'm more likely to speak before I think and you know, act before I think and act in my own interest um, without regarding the interests of others. Mm-hmm. So when you're caught up in the, in the energy around you and there's uh, uh, th- that you can, you forget to connect with yourself. Thank you. What else? Back there. Um, I I find that I can act unskillfully when I'm um, when I act from a place of deprivation and I'm not aware of it. Thank you. Place of depri- deprivation where you don't have enough. Yeah. build on that for me it's really about fear um, anger and frustration usually relating relating to scarcity or defending my ego mm-hmm. and as much as I've tried to let go of those things I'm not always good about it mm-hmm. great again deprivation or scarcity and fear and and, uh, and ego yes thank you and behind you I'm not looking for any one right answer there's a lot of different factors that contribute um, I think that I'm most likely to speak unskillfully when I feel really vulnerable and completely unheard. And what? Unheard. Unheard. Vulnerable and unheard. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yes, Jessica. When I feel afraid or insecure or also misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Similar. Afraid, insecure. Slighted or disrespected. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, when I'm impatient oh, yeah. yes. and um, I make the wrong assumption of, the, you know, people understand. If I can understand this, someone else can understand it. Uh-huh. Okay, assumptions, big, yeah. And, uh, and, and what was the first one? Slighted, did you say? Patience. Oh, patient, impatient, yes. Okay, and maybe uh, uh, here, back there, right here. I think I saw your hand first. Oh, we'll get two more, yeah. If I feel anxious or uh, lack of control. Yeah, anxious, lack, and co- lack of control, thank you. And here, one last one. This is embarrassing to admit, but uh, self-righteous. Self-righteous. Anybody ever feel self-righteous? Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing, perhaps you you mentioned it, I just want to move on, or maybe you thought of it, but when we're stressed, we aren't as clear. So uh, all of those, you probably could relate to all of those, and uh, it's good to hear that you're not alone. This is just how the mind works. Your mind and heart isn't so different from others. And where these factors are going on, chances are you act less than wise. Okay, and let's hear the other. What contributes, and maybe from people who haven't hey, gone yet. I don't say oh yes, Howie. Yeah. You know, what I hear it as a common theme uh, is that um, most of our unskillful actions uh, come when we are acting from the point of view of our identity. 
And the Buddha talked about four places where identity gets really bound up and a source of insecurity. And one is the identity with what we want to happen. And when we have a frustrated desire, that often leads to a, vul a vulnerability. The second, attachment to views and opinions. And when somebody disagrees with you and it triggers that kind of insecurity that you, you have a difficult time holding around. Third one, attachment to rites and rituals, how things are supposed to be done. And then the last one is just attached to the idea of, of uh, who you are. And when somebody relates to you differently, either doesn't see you for who you imagine yourself to be. So, they, so usually it's a matter of identity view and part of the beauty of practice is that we learn how to relate to our identity and see that operating rather than relating from it and know that there's going to be insecurity associated with identity and then to be able to relate to that with kindness because identity is inherently insecure because it's tethered to all these things that are not reliable. Great, great. Hold on. So, <laughs> what, what was that? For, well, that it's basically the, the four attachments that the Buddha talked about. Attachment to sense pleasures. Desire. Desi attachment to desire for sense pleasures. Attachment to views and opinions. Attachment to rites and rituals. And just attachment to the concept and identification with the concept of self. Who I am. Who I am. Basically, the Buddha called that Sakaya Ditti, self-view. And because these things are can all connected to a view of self, and a view of self is not really self, it's just a view. It's very, it's very vulnerable. So that often triggers a, an angry reaction when it deflates. So, or angry or frustrated or, you know, Great. so easy to act unskillfully. So let's just move on. It, let's go to the to the second, the, the the second thing about what contributes to you acting skillfully. What factors are going on when you choose the high road or where you you choose the wise way? We can get a few comments. Thank you. Um, I'll just give you an example because it's, it's very subtle, but um, I'm a teacher, so I have access to copy machines and that sort of stuff, but I was, a few months ago, I was a student in a writing class. I normally would just run off, so I had to copy 20 copies of my story. Anyway, Good. Yeah, just I went, to, I went to a copy place and paid for it, and that kind of thing has happened several times, and it, it seems very personal and very small, but... It was, I was very moved. It, it was very profound for me to do that. And what contributed to your making that decision? That's I can't say anything. It just felt like this is stealing. If I had, if I had gone and used the office supplies or whatever. Okay, so, so there's a feeling inside. I don't want to steal. Okay, great, thank you. Just to the essence of the, uh, of the factor yeah if I'm gonna hurt someone mm -hmm. that could change my acting if I'm oh, if you if think I, the I, thought of hurting yeah. someone yeah. 
prevents you from going ahead and doing it. Thank you. You're right, right just to your... Oh, well, I'll get to you guys. Uh, I'm finding that it's often the opposite, or it seems opposite to the factors of bad decisions. So I, for example, identified stress or being stressed, and the opposite was a, a lack of stress. Okay. Intoxicants, clarity of mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so clarity of mind and not and not being stressed. Yeah, right here. Taking a moment to check in with my heart and see how I feel mm. before I act or speak. Just a moment, the pause that refreshes, that you can actually listen inside. Yeah. I'm calling a friend, um, just waiting, um, and being kind. Mm. Lovely. Thank you. Right here. I, I think knowing and studying things of high value, such as Buddhism or any of the other religions, whatever. But once you've studied them and incorporated them, you just don't act in those ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, not always, but, uh, <laughs> but having some un- information helps, yeah. And the more you understand, oh yeah, that makes sense, then that, that, can, that can support you. Thank you. Remembering Stephen Covey, seek first to understand and then be understood. Beautiful. Try to understand the other reality. Oh, right behind you, uh, oh, how, right there by the wall, there was somebody. Uh, if I respect you. If, what was that? If I respect you, I, if I think you're... It, respect, if I respect. Somehow. It sounds okay. terrible, but... Yeah. So respecting, yeah. Couple more, and then we'll then we'll move on. If I connect, if I connect the dots to the logical conclusion. Uh huh. Connecting the dots and seeing where this is leading, uh-huh. and uh, maybe one one last one. Um, being aware that I don't want to shoot the second arrow and create drama. Mm, okay, so awareness. You see why awareness is so powerful. Is such a support for this because you know inside actually in 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 uh, Buddhist psychology uh, there are some I told you about different mental factors. There are two mental factors. There are wholesome mental factors called hiri and otapam that are translated in somewhat Victorian English as moral shame and moral dread. But these are good factors. There's a part of you that if you listen, you say, oh, this is off. But often we don't listen. Well, maybe kind of, no. oh yeah, why didn't I listen inside, you know? Or moral dread, knowing if somebody fi- who you respect finds out about it, uh, that you would feel embarrassed or, uh, or ashamed. There's a part of us that knows that. And, you know, we have a different name for those two things. We call it, what do we call it inside? Our conscience. Yeah. We're wired up with this. So the mindfulness helps us listen to what we know inside. It's not like you're learning, you're going for sainthood or something like that. You know inside, oh, this feels aligned. This doesn't feel aligned. <clears throat> so whenever you do act that way uh, skillfully, really um, appreciate 
that you're going that route and you're practicing that habit. And when you don't, know this is just part of being human, but as long as you're learning along the way. This is from Ramdas and Be Here Now. He says, as you further purify yourself, your impurities will seem grosser and larger. You start to see all the ways that you might be off. Understand that it's not you're getting more caught in the illusion, it's just that you're seeing it more clearly. The lions guarding the gates get fiercer as you go towards each inner temple, but of course the light get, gets brighter too. So there's a price to pay for being more aware, and that is you can't pretend. But it's good news in the long run because you ke- if you keep on learning and waking up, uh, it's, it's going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. What about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, fir- my first thought is, well, I think in those situations I question, did I actually communicate in a yeah. skillful way? No, you know, you're not going to be able to get get through to everyone. I think I said in one of the groups, one of the names, uh, the, the Buddha's, uh, one of the Buddha's uh, monikers is uh, the teacher of those who could be taught. <laughs> Not everybody gets it. And you can be as skillful as possible, but they have their own reality. So all you can do is the best you can do and come from as good a place as possible. And once you've done that, you don't have much control over what they're going to, uh, they're responding. But generally, if you are able to be clear and kind and have a, a, a clear intention and they can get it, you've got a better shot rather than, um, you know, somebody says to you, are you ready for some feedback? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but if if they say, hey, you know, I really value our relationship and there's something that's been getting in the way and I, I want to talk about it with you so we can have as good a relationship as possible and if, an, if you're up for it, you know, let, let me know. Um, you'd probably be a little bit more interested in hearing and you know, not to say that you've got to use that formula but that spirit, you've got a greater likelihood but not always. Sometimes, you know, the, the Dalai Lama says if you've done everything you can in the face of negative energy and it's still coming to you, that's the time to find the nearest exit, you know. So, so yeah. Yeah, just to add that um, this is also another fla- place where the flavor, a different flavor of what uh, I spoke a little about last night of equanimity. You know, we have these heart qualities of love that joins with and compassion and joy and these are qualities that say, I care about this relationship, I care about you. But the equanimity reminds us, it's like a, a balancer that says, I'm going to do everything I can to make this work, but whether it works or not, it's beyond my will and my wish. And so it's a reflection that sounds kind of 
like it's leaning towards indifference or not caring, but it actually just balances out your, your um, so that you don't get so caught up in how things turn out, that you do everything you can, but then you understand that things happen according to causes and conditions and not always according to your wish. And that's Good. especially helpful with family members that we're trying to enroll in relating to us differently or do something differently that I care about you, but I can't keep you from, I can't make you different. Thank you. So I, I do want to uh, move on to um, the, the next, and we'll just touch on this, the next um, wholesome state uh, after integrity, this, the sixth in this, uh, in this uh, sequence, uh, which is uh, what I call the joy of letting go which is what the Buddha said is really the heart of freedom. And kind of what, what Howie was just talking about, you know, letting go of our expectations or thinking things are, should be a certain way or that people will respond the way we, we hope. Uh, letting go is, uh, has a num lots of different arenas that this can um, that we can experience this freedom but in the in the buddha's teachings the four noble truths the first truth their suffering the second the cause of suffering is attachment the third is there's an end of of, of suffering and if holding on an attachment is the cause of suffering guess what the end of suffering is Letting go. Letting go of our attachment to things being a certain way when we can't, we don't have much control. It's really letting go of the control that we never had in the first place. But that is the key to freedom. And then the fourth noble truth is the prescription that he gave, the Eightfold Path, that helps us let go. And mindfulness is the key to that. And letting go doesn't mean rejecting, it doesn't mean pushing away, it doesn't mean sacrifice, although the word in the teachings, nekama, is usually translated as renunciation. Uh, it doesn't sound like much fun, the joy of renunciation. But really, renunciation is in letting go of what we can't control or what we don't need and uh, letting go of our wants which are endless, and just distinguishing what we want from what we need. And it's a, it's a movement towards simplifying. That's where the real joy is. You know, simplify, doesn't that sound good? Oh, I want to simplify. There's this magazine, Real Simple. You ever see Real Simple magazine? 250 pages of all the things that you need to get that will help you simplify your life, you know. It's a very popular magazine because people say, oh, simple, I'll take, I want more simplicity. Oh, yeah, I should get that and get that. <laughs> so there's a number of different ways that we can let go. One is letting go of stuff, actually. And we live in a consumer society where more is better. And it's never an end. When... Uh, Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller was, was asked, he was the richest man in the world, and uh, somebody asked him, how much money will be enough, Mr. Rockefeller? 
And he said, just a little more. <laughs> That's a hell realm. Yeah. So letting go of stuff, and we really need to simplify if this planet's going to be sustainable. Letting go of cramming our busy life. Like Howie mentioned yesterday in, uh, in the talk, just, oh, I'll just fit this in, and I'll just fit this in. I once went to a, uh, heard a, um, a decluttering expert who said, watch out for the word just. I'll just look at my email before I, and there you are, gone, you know. I'll just do this errand, this squeeze, this one more thing in before the word just is not realistic and gets us into a lot of hurriedness and cramming in. And then there's what I wanted to spend a few moments on. Uh, could spend a lot of time on this, but I just wanted to talk about or have us look at and reflect on letting go of the stories that we believe that really run us. And you probably have seen as you've been sitting these days, press a button and there is the, whatever the story is, your belief about yourself, about life, about others, about, well, this happened to me when I was younger and so I can never, or whatever it is. And these stories, the power of the practice is seeing, oh, that's just a story. And what I, I share this in one of the groups that for me, after, after practicing all this time, when I get caught, my main practice that I, I when I remember is very liberating, just asking myself, what story am I believing right now? Or sometimes I'll say, what thought am I believing right now? And chances are, it's I've created this mental fabrication that seems so real that is driving me that's not based in reality at all. That's usually unkind or contracted. So I just would like you to reflect on this and maybe write a few, uh, few words about it. Uh, first, just uh, close your eyes, go inside. And maybe you've seen in these last couple of days, few days, different stories about yourself or about life. And just, I'd like you to, add to I'd like to ask you, what story, you might pick just one, what story do you tend to believe about yourself or about life that keeps you from experiencing well-being and joy? What story do you believe about yourself or about life that keeps you from experiencing well-being. First, just to, to name it. No, no judgment, no, um, uh, yeah, no discouragement. We all have our stories. And just before you, you write anything, there's a little bit more to this. 
So what would it be like if you could see it as just a story and not give it the power that you do if you saw through it and let go of believing it. And what would you need to understand or remember in order to let it go in the future? Okay, if you'd like, you can write a few words. What story do you believe? What would it be like if you saw it as a story and could let it go or not believe it? And what would you need to understand or remember in order to do that? What story do you believe that limits you? What would it be like if you saw it as just a story? And what would you, what would help you remember or to see through it? How many people need more time? Okay, you can just keep on writing. And I just want to take a few comments and Howie has something to say. Uh, Just before we do this, I want to acknowledge that it's easier said than done. You know, if you've practiced believing a story for a while, it's, it's not so simple to just say, oh, that's a story, I don't have to believe it. You might know it here, it's the start, but your body can still be holding that 
that belief. So this is, it's a process that takes a lot of patience, but each time you see it as a story, you are little by little chipping away at its power or, or de, uh, um, um, diffusing its power. Uh, and it starts by even just seeing, oh, this is a story. So I'd like to just get a few comments very, very succinctly. Um, just the headline of the story, if you feel like it, or and, and uh, what would help you remember to let it go. Um, my story is kind of around needing intimacy and connection. And it feels like it'd be very scary and there'd be a lot of emptiness if I let that go. Mm-hmm. And anything that you would, that would support you in, in, um, in remembering that? I don't know. I mean, it just, it feels like something I'm trying to avoid letting go of. So it doesn't feel, I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, that's a start. Thank you so much. And uh, any any other people, by the way, just a little reality check, uh, their story having to do with intimacy and attachment. Yeah. Intima- anybody ever get uh, have fear of intimacy? Yeah. yeah. It's so co- it's the th- we want it so much, and it's scary at the same time. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, my story was around <coughs> feeling like real close. Feeling like I have to do, do everything perfectly, do everything well, and that I have like all these responsibilities that only I can, you know, do, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and um, letting go of it. I just had this funny image of like, well, there's nobody giving me a report card, like nobody's mm. standing over me, like. Mm. <laughs> watching and giving me the report of like, oh, you got an A on that task. Or Beautiful. <laughs> so just and having a little bit of, of uh, humor and levity around it too. Beautiful. How many people uh, have a tendency to think they've got to do things perfectly? Yeah. Great. Yes. Well, there's so many stories, so I'm not going to get into them, but just I, one. I think what would point me in the right direction, because I've been taking notes, is to remind myself that I'm suffering May I hold my suffering with kindness. Mm, lovely. Thank you. So I believe that I can't relax into life because something is going to happen to one of my children. And I just noticed the wording I chose, going to happen, and I think that the RAIN acronym is useful, especially when I get down to the last one, saying to myself, it's not me and it's not now. So not identifying with it, but highlighting that it's not now. It's not now. And reminding me, this isn't happening now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So living here in the present instead of toppling. Thank you. Um, how do you how do you deal with um, letting a story go that's not a story but the truth? But what? Okay, so the way that that this sounded to me was to let go of a story because it's not actually the truth. You're either making yourself feel bad or 
thinking of yourself in a bad way, but what, what if it's actually a story that is the truth? So the truth is the truth. What's my relationship to the truth? And that there's what's true, if it's actually true, if something has happened, or if, uh, if there is a circumstance that you're dealing with, it can be a challenge. You might just look at what is my story about this fact, about this truth. Because this has happened or because this is real, that means that I can never, whatever it is, take a look at your story about that truth because that it's not so much what's happened what's happened or what's happening out there that we we have some choice but how what's the wisest relationship to what's happened or is happening yeah okay others a few more and then and then we should we should end one of my top hits, uh, just a little more professional success and then you can relax. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And noticing that it will never be enough. There's no place you could arrive. And um, I think what can help me is the idea that this is enough and you're exactly where you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Feels good. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get to you. Um, one of my biggest stories uh, when I go through really hard periods in my life, oh, sorry, here you go. When I go through really hard periods in my life, I kind of um, enforce this belief that I'll never come out. This is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Mm. And um, I kind of get stuck. I kind of start making it a cycle when I get um, stuck in there. And so I think for me, just remembering that I've been through a lot of hard periods in my life and I've come out every single time. Mm. So why is this time any different? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> that that's and that is really that that's that's the essence of keeping on growing and realizing oh I've made it through each time you see I've got what it takes but we forget oh well maybe not this time and every time you're still surviving that's beautiful and mine's basically the same thing just like that I'm stuck and that I can't move forward um, and I think I just keep thinking of the um, yield to the present sign that we only have the present and we only have to, something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Being stuck is just an idea. I mean, we can feel stuck, but life is going to keep on unfolding. So it's great to see that. And we all have our own, we should really draw to a close, we all have our own story Although there's a commonality to experience, have you seen? Everybody's carrying, most everybody is carrying around some story or another that has limited them, either in the past or, or, or now. And just to see, this is part of having a mind. And there's a way to, to have the awareness hold that with great kindness and compassion and not only is it liberating for yourself, but then you have compassion for everybody else who gets stuck in their stories. That's the real gift besides your own, your own freedom. 
you can be there when somebody is saying, I'm stuck, I don't know if I'll ever get out, or uh, if this is going to work out, and you can say, oh yeah, I know what that one's like, and I'm here to tell you it's, uh, it's possible. So you can hear from everybody's story that they've been forged by experiences that we've had. And so our story is really beautiful and unique and uh, expresses our individuality. Uh, but it's usually, and our story is wonderful to share in a way, but it often obscures, I think what Abby was pointing to, it, it obscures uh, the, the element in each of us that is not reducible or describable as a story. It's usually one that is, is a, a, a narrative or a picture of, of time, of a, a version of ourself that has come from the past, that's going through the present, worrying about the future or getting excited. And, it, and when you take it to be absolute, then it's, it, it causes our body to go into a state of freeze. And so we... And we tend to associate the story with actually who we are. And in the process, miss the, the element of you sitting in this room that is not reducible to a story. And, and I just, you know, I could give a whole talk on this, which I often do, but I want to just share one line that I think captures what a way of not getting rid of our story. Our story is beautiful, but, but just seeing the difference between the you, the beautiful you that's sitting here, and the story that plays through your mind. And this is the words of James J. Audubon. If there's a difference between the bird and what the field guidebook says, believe the bird. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also, um, again, important to see this is a process. So every time you see the mind, your mind has, has gone for the last 20 minutes or, or eight hours on a story. Don't feel, oh, I've blown the meditation, or I've wasted my time, because when you wake up, that's the time to celebrate and say, oh, that was just a story. And feel great that you've woken up and see another perspective. Nothing is wasted if each time you see, oh, the mind just creates its, its stories and there's a whole other way to relate to it. And every time you can see through the story, celebrate. And every time you can let go, whether it's of stuff or of control and you trust or whatever, celebrate. When I say celebrate, that is notice how good it feels to let go and that's your awakening joy is noticing the gladness that arises with that wholesome understanding part of this it'll come on part of this gladness is something that's so verifiable right here just notice and I've invited you a couple times to do this just notice after your last story has stopped and before the next one begins. Just notice what you feel in this room as you are when you don't consult your story. What, what is felt immediately when there's a shedding 
of any kind of view about yourself. When we lose all the evidence for a few moments in the of whoever we imagine ourselves to be or think about ourselves. And just feel it. Notice what happens to your nervous system. Notice what happens to your breath. You just let go or let be. Anybody willing to say what happens when you just check out uh, that sense of your story, of your story fading? A stillness and serenity, natural state, not created. That's in the back, please. A connected with a kindness of himself. A fullness. A knowing that everything is a okay or will be a okay. Joyful presence. Joyful presence. And so we, this was not a trick. We didn't create anything. All we did was slowly let fall away our usual cherished view about ourselves. And so to know this well, then you can more easily relate to the story as, of course, understandable. It came through your experience. But, but not something that can completely define you. You're not limited to that. You are joy itself. You could say that's the that's the feeling I got from each person that spoke. Mm, beautiful, that's great. Yeah, and and, and you want to honor your story too, and not just pretend things didn't happen because you're learning through it, and and it's part of your history. So it, it, it's not to abandon uh, your history, but it's to honor it and see it in perspective and see everything that in your life has been part of your curriculum that brings you to this point. So everything is, there's nothing wasted and there's all to be honored, but just not to live in the story to see that joyful presence that, that's who you are when you're, when you're not in your story. That's who you are. Okay, so um, if you want to stretch in place and we'll just have a short sit before tea time and let all of the words settle. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.